It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a lot of people looking forward to this bank holiday weekend. Restrictions have been lifted. It isn't Freedom Day as we thought it was going to be because COVID does what COVID always uh, does. It decides to rear its ugly head yet again. And with figures uh, on the rise, we couldn't have the Freedom Day that we were planning on having. So we will be talking through what are the new restrictions and regulations that have come into place. There is a much wider opening of hospitality, but there's this nervousness about it. I've, I've already heard from uh, people say even though nightclubs are open people saying no I don't know if I'm ready to go to an event where there would be a lot of people we know the Covid passes are remaining in place they were meant to be gone we were all were going to be able to get rid of our Covid passes unless you were using it for international travel from today don't get rid of your Covid pass you're going to need it now more than ever and actually on the Covid pass and John Paul as we speak is trying to get clarification on this a listener has contacted us to say could you please help and clear this up for me? The INEC sent an email last week saying that they wouldn't be checking COVID certs for the venue. Then they sent another email yesterday stating anybody over the age of 12 needs to have a COVID certificate in all in order to enter the venue. I'm totally confused. I got onto Deputy Michael McGrath's office and they said under 18s do not have to have a COVID cert once they're going into a venue with vaccinated adults. Kind regards, Vicky. Could you check it out for me, please? Now, firstly, I can understand why the INEC would have sent the email last week, because last week we were expecting that COVID passes would be gone from today, Friday the 22nd. So they obviously were alerting people, you know, come join us if you've booked tickets, enjoy yourself. You won't need to have your COVID cert because we won't be checking it. Then that all changed this week with the new restrictions or restrictions that are there remaining in place. And suddenly now we do need to have our COVID cert if we're going into any kind of an indoor event. Now, I'm perplexed about the children because certainly when we started the rollout of vaccinations and when the COVID cert arrived and it was from July, wasn't it? that we were told if we wanted to go in for indoor dining, we had to produce our COVID certificate, which everyone's got terribly used to doing. But at that stage, we were told it was only the adults because they weren't offering vaccines to the children. But they are since have started vaccinating over 12s. So I'm wondering, have the guidelines changed? Because so many over 12s are now vaccinated, are they now insisting that anybody over the age of 12 must produce a COVID certs and obviously children under the age of 12 
who are not vaccinated and can't be vaccinated because we haven't got a vaccine programme in place, they then will only be allowed to end entry with vaccinated adults. So we're, go- we're getting it checked. So hang in there, Vicky, and we'll see if we can get the exact wording and what is happening because that will affect families. Now there are a, there are a large cohort of 12 to 15 year olds who are fully vaccinated and will have their COVID search but there are also a group of 12 to 15 year olds whose parents have for their own reasons while they themselves are vaccinated have opted not to vaccinate their children so there will be this will catch people out if tickets have been booked for events this weekend and people were assuming that the under 18s didn't need a COVID pass so we'll see if we can get clarification on that before the close of the programme and then talking about it being a bank holiday weekend a number of people yesterday were saying Patricia have we the date on the new bank holiday that we're due to have before the end of the year and this is the the bank holiday event that was first spoken about as recognition for all the frontline workers and the wonderful work that they that they have done and others were seeing it as a day of reflection to look back on all the lives that have been lost due to uh, COVID. Well, I can tell you now, uh, the government have come out and the extra, the bank holiday, the pandemic bank holiday, as people are referring to it, is not going to happen this year. It's now more than likely next February or we could end up with a double bank holiday in uh, March. They had hoped that the extra bank holiday would be next month. November was certainly a date. Others were saying maybe around the beginning of uh, December. And as I say, the government was saying we were going to do it, give this bank holiday as a reward for the efforts of frontline workers and to honour everybody who died during the uh, the pandemic. But now the recent surge in virus cases and the hospital numbers they have now decided that they're going to push that extra bank holiday back until next year. Thornestadir Varadkar said the pandemic is still raging. God, we don't need to be told that, uh, Leo. And therefore, he said it simply wouldn't be appropriate to have an extra bank holiday this year. So he says the government are consider either holding it in February or having this double bank holiday in March, which would be around St. Patrick's uh, Day. Of course, the February date, there has been a big push to have St Bridget's Day the 1st of February as the date for a a bank uh, holiday. But Leo Varadkar is saying that a public holiday at this stage would simply be premature. He said the bank holiday would be a day of remembrance for those who have done so much during the pandemic. So hold off, you're not going to get a bank holiday uh, this year. This year it will be next year. But it's very worrying looking to hospitals at the moment and this is where you know where Leo Varadkar is saying that the pandemic hasn't gone away and that it's still raging. If you look at our hospital figures, it is definitely still uh, raging and hospitals now are at a risk of being pushed to the brink and that push to the brink could come in less than a month. It's emerged that the rise in COVID-19 patients having needing to go into hospital is triggering what hospitals call the last resort option and the last resort option is when hospitals are forced to cancel surgeries. We, there's more than 1,800 HSE staff out at the moment and that's due to COVID related uh, issues and two hospitals confirmed yesterday they have started to cancel surgeries that's the University Hospital in Limerick and Galway University Hospital in some cases 
Some hospitals have started to close wards due to the increase in COVID-19 patients and this comes at a time of growing level of respiratory illnesses because of the time of the year and flu is already out and about and obviously there's other emergencies that will happen and normally happen. Uh, you'll have an emergency going into hospitals that will need a hospital bed. 448 COVID-19 patients were in hospital yesterday. 88 of them. There's been a huge rise in the number in intensive care. And if you look at 88 people in intensive care, that means more than one in every three ICU bed is now being taken up by somebody with COVID-19. And then, of course, the figures for yesterday, we were over 2,000 again, 2,029. But the real worry with the numbers over 2,000 that we've been seeing probably over the last uh, week, those high numbers, there's always a lag effect before the people who get confirmed this week, before they will get very unwell and end up in hospital. It'll be at least the end of next month before we see the knock on the lag effect from all of the cases that have come out this week. So the forecast is if we keep showing these figures of over 2,000 every day, the forecast would be that between 800 and 1,000 patients would be in hospital and the knock on for the ICUs would be anything between 150 and 200 by the end of next month. Now, although the high level of vaccination is providing prevent protection against severe uh, illness and therefore it will prevent a repeat of the surge that we saw last January. The hospitals will this winter though also have to contend with flu. The, the flu has now been recognised that there are confirmed flu cases. Then you've got the respiratory illnesses that normally go around at this time. Then there are patients who've had delayed care due to the pandemic. And of course, do I need to tell you about the massive waiting list? San O'Connor is the HSE's Chief Operations Officer and she yesterday said the hospitals were also being affected by this absence of around 1,823 staff and they are out due to COVID-19 related issues. Now, when, when what she's talking about there, I'm assuming are these are staff who would be fully vaccinated but who've ended up picking up COVID. They mightn't be very sick but therefore the, the fact that they are COVID positive, they cannot come back into the workplace. They also could have children that are home or COVID positive and have to remain home uh, with them. So there's a lot of staff out at the moment uh, as well. And while we're talking about two hospitals so far cancelling surgeries, University Hospital Limerick and Galway University Hospital, there are other hospitals around the country who are back Badly affected as a result of this surge in COVID-19 patients, including our own Cork University Hospital, Mayo University Hospital, I was hearing yesterday, is also under pressure. Paul Reid, the HSE chief executive, said COVID-19 admission, can. He's, he's saying it will peak at the end of next month and the situation will definitely deteriorate next month. So he's giving the warning shots already and he's warned that if hospitals have to turn to surge capacity and they they go to surge capacity when they need more ICU beds. The knock-on effect for that then is staff have to come from other areas of the hospital in order to attend the people that need intensive care treatment. The knock-on effect of that, wards uh, close. Now there was a little bit of good news coming from the hospitals yesterday and that is from the 1st of November 
which is Monday week, all maternity units must allow a nominated partner to access inpatient areas during normal visiting hours, which is from 8am in the morning to 9pm at night. And that's going to come as huge relief to pregnant uh, women and their partners. But that comes in the lifting of the maternity. But just one, you can't have lots of visitors. You'll be allowed to nominate one person in the main. Uh, It'll be the dad, I'm assuming. Not always the case. You can have birthing partners as well. But that comes in from Monday, the 1st of November. So that is welcomed news. Tim says, Patricia, the clock's going back this weekend. I don't like that when it happens, says Tim. It's not this weekend. It is next weekend. So it's tomorrow week, the last weekend in October and we'll be reminding you of it right across next week but we've another week before the clocks go back and the darker evenings come in. Now, on the listener who got the email from the INEC, they're going to some event in the INEC and it states on the email that they must bring COVID certs for children over the age of 12. I've also had another email in from somebody signing themselves a concerned parent and this is to do with an underage disco that's happening this weekend. Now there are a number of underage discos happening because obviously the children are on Halloween midterm from today and certainly for young people many of the teenagers haven't been at a disco probably since they came of age for teenage discos because there were certainly no discos across for the last 18 months. So this listener was trying to get to the Highland in Newmarket and they're saying they're having difficulty getting through. I'm assuming you ring the number and there's nobody in the Highland during the day and that's the reason uh, why you're not able to get to get through but this parent is saying there's a teenage disco going on there and I want to know do the children attending need to bring a COVID cert with them so it kind of ties in with the INEC saying that children over the age of 12 need to have a COVID cert so this is from gov.ie these are the updated guidelines organised indoor events and mass gatherings are permitted where all patrons are immune. Now what do all patrons are immune means? Fully vaccinated, are recovered from COVID-19 within the previous six months and you've your COVID pass to prove that are if they're accompanied minors and that's under the age of 18. So if parents have their COVID certificates with them and they're accompanying the children to whatever event it is then the children don't need to have a COVID cert. But when you read on through the guidelines, unaccompanied minors are required to present proof of immunity. So a teenage disco, the parents aren't going in with the children to the teenage disco. So I would read from that, anybody going to a teenage disco, anybody over the age of 12 going to a teenage disco needs to bring proof of immunity, which is either that they've been fully vaccinated or that they were recovering from COVID in the last six months, i.e. they need to bring their COVID pass with them. And also on the checking of the COVID certs, and we've had a lot of calls and texts in about that, the guidelines states, it is important that businesses should check photo ID when checking proof of immunity. Now, they say there are some limited circumstances where this may not be necessary. For example, where the person is well known to the business. Uh, and that was something that we were trying to get clarified because we have so many people saying, you know, I know Johnny and Mary. Uh, I know them well. They've been coming into my bar for years. Why would I be looking for photo ID from Johnny and Mary? When Johnny and Mary produce their COVID certs, I know that it is their COVID certs. So the only... The establishment, the nightclub, the bar, the restaurant, the cafe only has to ask for photo ID 
if the person isn't known to them. So if you're going anywhere with your COVID cert, if it's your local, your regular, or, you're, or you've been into a place before and they know you well, you won't need photo ID, but you will need photo ID if you're going to some place where you are not uh, known. But where patrons have mixed immunity status, this is where you've got vaccinated and unvaccinated organised indoor events and mass gatherings are not permitted and of course one of the changes where multiple table bookings are allowed subject to the application of other existing infection prevention and that's that's to cover large groups of people. So hopefully that has clarified it for some of the parents who are contacting us this morning. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie new safety guidelines for nightclubs live events bars and restaurants were finally published yesterday with a promise from the Taoiseach that the guidance would be practical and common sense would apply to discuss the new guidelines I'm joined by Michael O'Donovan Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, I suppose better late than never, but it's it's tough on the industry to get these guidelines on the eve of reopening day, isn't it? Uh, very tough, uh, Patricia. Like it was last night, uh, I would think quarter to 11 when we first got sight, somewhere between half 10, quarter to 11 of the pub guidelines. But as I am sitting here talking to you now, I was just on a Zoom there at 10 to 10. I just finished there at 10 past 10. We still haven't sight of nightclub guidelines. And they're opening in, you know, 10 hours from now. Most of them, will, or 12 hours from now, most of them will be opening. Um, and still no guidelines for them. So, yes, it's, it's, it's far from ideal. Very, very far from ideal. OK, talk me through the changes for you and for other publicans and what's coming in as and from today. Okay, well, look, it's broken down into two, I suppose, nightclubs, late bars, and then you have what's, you know, the traditional bar. So the traditional bar, there's only a handful of uh, changes, really. Um, People can make bookings of multiple tables. Um, Up to now, that was only people could make a booking indoor for one table. Uh, If you book a table, we can now have 10 adults uh, at a table, um, or 15 if it's 10 adults and five children. Up to now, that was only six adults, and you could have had nine children. Um, you could have had 15, but it was six adults, nine children, where now it's more practical. You can have 10 adults, five, uh, up to five, or up to 15, with 10 adults and five children, or any breakdown of that that you want. Okay. Um, normal trading hours come back into effect from today, so um, closing time tonight across the county will be 12.30. The city has general exemptions for the jazz festival, um, and from tomorrow night will be similar, 12.30, across the city and or across the county in the city it will be two thirty. But on a normal week it'll be back to normal then eleven thirty out for twelve and Sunday night eleven PM out for eleven thirty. Um so it is uh, getting back to normal trading hours which is welcome. Um I suppose the the one that's causing the most headache for us is you can now use the bar counter for serving drink. Um there must be a queuing system uh, as in any retail outlet, you know, if you go to a till in a in any shop, you queue up. Uh, the queue has to be social distance. Um, the the customer can purchase their drink um, and then take it back to their seat where uh, where table where they're sitting at a table of uh, no more than a group of ten. So it has its advantages, but it also has its issues with it and policing a queuing system. And you have to have everything social distance. So if you have people sit 
seated at tables, they have to be socially distant from the queue. So oh. it's it's challenging. If, if you've a you very yeah, if you've, and if you've a very large bar, maybe you could operate some kind of a queuing system. But the majority of our pubs, particularly the ones in rural areas, are small. Yeah, and look, I look last night when I sat down with this and talking to my own lads uh, in the bar, the, my staff, uh, we've decided that we're going to keep doing the table service. Um, like we have three or four tables that are across from the bar. If somebody's sitting at that and they stand up and say, can I have a pint of Beamish, pint of Murphy's, etc., whatever. Um, yes, look, the bar staff will fill it and like they can go over and get it and quickly go back to their yeah. seats. But um, in, for the rest of the bar, we're going to do table service because, um, look, we know that uh, inspections are going to be hugely increased from today. And like how in a small bar, if you have an inspector coming to the door and you see people standing at the back of the bar moving to the front of the, door, the bar, it's going to be hard to please. So it's just going to be easier, I think, for us. Um, a small bar to, to continue with our table service. Yeah, and the other thing, the big, you know, a, a couple of people are pointing out at the beginning of the night that might be grand, but when everyone has a few drinks in them, even for the people to remember, oh, I have to be socially distanced, stand away from me there, I need to be two metres from you in the queue, it, 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 it would just get, re- get really messy. Yeah, I think where this will help is, say, during the week when there's a challenge in staffing and, look, it's not as busy during the week um, and, you know, you're quieter in your premises, this will help because you'll be able to operate, um, you know, you'll know most of your locals, you, look, we'd know what most of them drink and, like, they'll say, Michael, can I have, and you'll say, yeah, no problem, the usual. fill it, yeah. the usual, and, like, they'll just come to the counter, collect it and return to their seat. On a busy night, this has real challenges in the real world to try and operate it. But I still can't come into your bar, Michael, order a drink and sit up at the bar and have it. No, unfortunately, that was something, look, for, for any bar like mine or, you know, the small traditional bar around the country, it's something that we campaigned. I, I really campaigned really hard the last couple of weeks for it. And unfortunately, um, they wouldn't. They, the, the compromise was that you could do this, but this isn't, um, this, this, this comes with its own huge challenges, you know. But at least you're back to normal trading hours. It's kind of all a step in the right direction. Uh, yeah, look, it's a step in the right direction. And um, look, tonight, nightclubs are opening. That's another huge step in the right direction because it brings, you know, look, it brings the city, it brings the towns that have nightclubs, uh, you know, it brings them back into life because a lot of the, what, what I've been hearing around the county and across the country is that, you know, towns have been very, very quiet, especially after seven, eight o'clock. So this will bring some life back into them. Uh, somebody's asking, but you still have to wear masks when you're leaving your table to go to the toilet. Yes. Yeah, you have to wear a mask at all times, even if you're coming up to the bar counter to order your drink. As far as we're aware, um, you order your drink and then you return to your table again with your drink, but you have your mask on. Yeah, because it's when you're eating, drinking, yeah. or dancing when you're in the nightclub, you don't wear your mask at all. Other yeah. times, the mask applies. The teacher has said he's hoping that the everyone in the hospitality business um, will need. Or he wants them to make sure that, the, that there is compliance. The checking of the COVID passes is is that an issue, Michael? Yes. Look, the the department did a survey around. Uh, different counties and they found that a third of hospitality that was across all hospitality weren't uh, checking it um i know look i've been in lots of premises here in cork some have been super some haven't been as good um and but what we do know is from today uh, the gardaí will have a role to play in this as will the hse and the hsa um and look they've talked about 
uh, implementing private security firm as well. I'm not so sure about that. I, we haven't seen any legislation or anything on how that's going to come into effect. But with the Gardaí and the HSA and the HSE, um, you know, we've been told that there will be a blitz um, from uh, all our meetings during the week and expected from today on. And I suppose for the larger nightclubs that have security and some of the larger bars have security on their doors, they'll be able to check the COVID passes. Absolutely. Look, to get into a nightclub tonight, you need your pass, you need your ID. Um, just like anything else, you know, they part of their uh, special exemption orders to operate. They have to have security at the door. So uh, they'll have people there that will be checking it. it look, they, they check IDs all the time in most mm. nightclubs anyway. So uh, it'll just be one step further in that they'll be checking your COVID pass with your ID. And I was good. We were just checking there the regulations that, that have come out. And I was. this obviously is the common sense piece that Micheál Martin spoke about yesterday. When you're checking somebody's COVID cert, you don't need photo ID if the person is known to yes, you. If the person is known. Yeah. Most of the bars across the county, across the city, we know 90% of our customers most of the time. And like you'll know, uh, you only have to check the COVID cert of the, uh, when they're entering your bar for the first time. And if you know them thereafter, you do not have to check their COVID cert. But the first time you have to check their COVID cert and ID. So 90% of the time we know our customers that are coming in. It's when somebody that you don't know come, yes, you have to check their ID, ask them for, or check their COVID cert, ask them for their ID. And then they're good to go to, to, to enter your premises. Okay, all right. So it is the jazz uh, weekend. Are you looking forward to it, Michael? How are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, look, always look forward to the jazz weekend. Um, unfortunately, this year is going to be a different type of jazz for us. And look, I suppose the only concern that I do have is that uh, people's expectations, you know, might think that it's a normal jazz weekend. Unfortunately, with capacity across most of the bars in Cork, our capacity is greatly reduced. We're all operating somewhere between, you know, 33 and 50%. So, uh, um, so our premises are greatly reduced so it'll just be hard you know doing the, look, I've brought in I'll have somebody at the door this weekend Friday, Saturday and Sunday and I think they're the, the hardest job that they'll have is you know telling people sorry we're full all the time because uh, capacity will just be so reduced yeah, and the so did the social dancing get sorted out? Um, people saying if the, if they're going along to see a band and it was meant to be a social dance, can you get up and dance? Um, can you get up and dance? Yes, if but look, there's definitions in the guidelines. There has to be a designated dancing area, a designated band area. So um, until we get full sight of the nightclub uh, guidelines, we. Look, it, it's hard to say, but that that they were what was in the discussion. Yeah, because it, it, it was up to up to one thousand five hundred people, obviously there for the much bigger event. There for the much bigger. Yeah, venues. can stand yeah, so, can stand our dance at live yeah, events. Yeah, there's there's a requirement for prepaid tickets as well and issues like that. But if you're in a pub setting, unfortunately, if we have a band playing this weekend, you have to remain seated. Okay, you can't you can't get up and dance. You so. can't get up and dance, uh, right. which is with uh, how did defying between one and the other still boggles our minds. I know, I know, I know. Listen, uh, Michael, have a great weekend. I hope it all goes well uh, for you. And as always, uh, thank you for joining us on the programme. No problem, Patricia. Good, Good morning. morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, who is the Cork Chair 
of the Vintners Federation of um, Ireland and of course also owner of the Castle Bar on South Main Street in the city. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now this day next week, Friday the 29th of October, the Cork Stroke Support Centre will officially open its doors in Blackrock and the opening will coincide with World Stroke Day. Joining me with details about the centre is Dr Mary Foley, who is a member of the organising committee of the centre. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. This centre, I'm told, is the first of its kind in Cork. Can you, uh, can you outline how it all came about? Okay. Um, so the, the Cork Stroke Support Group is a registered charity which was formed in 2010 by volunteer health professionals in collaboration with stroke survivors and families. And in, as, as you appreciate, um, there are about 10,000 strokes in Ireland each year and um, with 7,000 hospitalised and um, with it being one of the leading um, disabilities, cause of disabilities nationally. As an advanced nurse practitioner myself at the time, it was very much, we were very much aware that post-discharge from hospital, there were no supports in place for people after they were discharged. The effects of stroke are significant in relation to individuals that are affected with paralysis or weakness of limbs affecting walking and everyday activities and can also affect speech, cognition and mood. Rehabilitation post-stroke is lengthy and goes on long past discharge from hospital. Hence, it was very apparent to us that after a long period in hospital or varying periods of time in hospital, the post-discharge families were ringing up and feeling lost in relation to needing somewhere to go or needing a service. And there was no such service in Cork. So hence, we contacted the Irish Heart Foundation and made contact with... um, a very um, important man called Anthony Holton, who's a stroke survivor himself um, and had a stroke age 56. And he too was in the process of trying to start a stroke support group. Meanwhile, other people like Michael Smithers had a stroke himself, felt alone, there was nobody out there, had set up a Facebook um, in the hope to make contact with other stroke survivors. So in 2010, we organised a launch and an opening information session and we were surprised and amazed in relation to the number of people that just came in search of information. Yeah, because I take it, Mary, that period of being discharged from hospital and going home can be very isolating for some people, but a very scary time, both for the patient, you know, whose life has changed completely and for the family and the carers looking after them. Absolutely. And it's the suddenness of stroke that there's no preparation. People are possibly on holidays, at work, going about their everyday activities, and suddenly they're struck by a stroke and life changes significantly, um, and they're at a loss. Equally, there are families there that are shocked, worried, confused, not knowing how to respond. So the need to engage with somebody who's, who's shared similar journeys and sim- shared similar experiences is important. So... At, at the outset, the important was 
thing was to have a contact number that people could contact and signpost services. And I must acknowledge um, now Carmel Cummins, who has been a volunteer nurse at the end of the phone since 2010. We were fortunate um, to have, having worked at St. Finbar's, to have access to a room. So meetings started off as monthly, but quickly in accordance with the needs of stroke survivors and families, it went to weekly. But still, um, and we offered a range of activities that I'll talk about um, later, but it quickly became apparent that we needed more than just weekly access to a room. We needed dedicated facilities. And that that's would... and that's what opens up next week, is this actual support yes. centre. So talk yes. to me about the supports that will be available through the Cork Stroke Support Centre. So um, the supports that be available is, number one, I suppose the fact that we have dedicated facilities now that has the name Cork Stroke Support um, Group or Cork Stroke Support Group and a place to go for people post-discharge from hospital. So there will be a referral pathway from the hospitals that will enable people to have a follow-up post-discharge from hospital. And then within there... So after getting some, there's somebody at the end of the phone, they will be offered an individual consultation where, where they will speak with a health professional and will give, be given the opportunity to um, access a range of activities, which we hope will include counselling, exercise, information sessions about a range of, of um, resources and activities and a number of health promotion activities. We've, I suppose, 10 years, we have a long experience in relation to to providing a range of activities that included hydrotherapy, tai chi, yoga, choir sessions. Again, Patricia Keller would have, would have stroke notes choir. So there's a range of activities. Well done, well done. It's, it's fantastic. Yes. And you offer, you offer support not just to the survivor of stroke, but to their families and their carers. Absolutely, and that's really important. So in amongst our membership, we would have both stroke survivors and family members that would include wives, daughters, spouse. And again, we acknowledge that the needs of both groups are significant. Mm. And just, I suppose, outside of any activities we offer, the importance of peer support and of families linking in with other family members, sharing experiences, and stroke survivors um, interacting with each other and getting hope in relation to the, um, I suppose, the the strengths of other stroke survivors and how they've overcome challenges. Well, I think and that's going to be so important and how great that would be for somebody in the very early stage of their rehabilitation to meet somebody who might be five years down the road ahead of them and to see somebody doing so well. Absolutely. Yeah. And our focus is on stroke survivor as opposed to a stroke victim. Yeah. And we focus well on done. a person's resilience, hopefulness and ability. And we, I suppose, as a, as a committee, we're passionate about making things happen. And, and, but our passion and our commitment to this is equally matched by the resilience and the, the um, generosity and the enthusiasm of stroke survivors in the recovery post-stroke and the focus is very much on that there is life after stroke while there are remain challenges in many cases 
there is hopefulness and there is a whole range of activities well done. that people well can done. engage in. And, and we the, have seen long-lasting friendships. The well. unfortunate and dirty word of money. How is it funded, uh, Mary? How is, uh, absolutely. Well, I suppose I have to acknowledge the work of our chairman, Dan Cronin, who is um, whose dad had a stroke. And he and his brother John are on the committee and John has taken a lead in relation to fundraising. So there was a significant fundraising campaign in order to fund um, rent, long-term rental of premises. So they've organised golf classics um, and a number of people have done charity walks and a range of other uh, fundraising events. And I guess they they have set up a text line, um, CSS, to donate uh, four euros, so if people text CSS to five zero three zero zero to donate four euros. It will assist in fundraising the cost. Okay, CSS so being Cork Stroke Support. Yeah, absolutely. So we are bowled over by people's generosity to date. With um, and I'm not going to name names because I'll surely miss yeah, people. Yeah. But they know who they are, and they've made a significant dif- difference because this is is a landmark event next Friday because this are, these are facilities that will be available into the future for stroke survivors and families. Yeah, and, and nobody knows the day or the time when it can land on your own doorstep. And, and it's uh, my own mother, um, Gabby Gutwer, uh, she had a stroke. And, and I remember while she survived it, and we were also relieved that she had survived it and physically she was fine. But she her speech was hugely affected and she yeah. lost her ability to read. And she was an avid reader. And I just remember as a family, now this is, God, this is ne- uh, nearly 20 years ago, but as a, as a family, we didn't know where to go or who to turn and that's why when I saw this Cork Stroke Support Centre I said oh my God wouldn't we have loved to have gone somewhere like that to go how do we help her I mean and that's why I think this is it's going to be so uh, important so listen we wish you the best of luck with it it's this day next week you have your official that's launch. right okay. and it's officially been opened by Councillor Colm Kelleher Great, well done, well done on it. Um, and listen, uh, Mary, we'll touch in with you again. It'll be interesting to see how yeah. we how it gets on, but I know it's going to be hugely successful yeah. for you. But well done Can to you and everybody involved. Thank you. Can I just give the number in relation Please to do. survivors of families that are out yeah. there? Yeah. Um, so the contact number is zero eight seven three five six nine five five five. If people want to call that number, 087-356-9555 and we'll keep that on file. Mary, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for Thank that. You Thanks for, for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Mary Foley of the Cork Stroke Support Centre. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of texts and calls uh, coming in. Let me get to some of them. Michael says, Patricia, it's good to see progress and nightlife trying to get back to some sort of normality. But yes, there is a long, treacherous road to travel. They are just guidelines at the end of the day, not regulations. So how can they be enforceable? Are they going to be? Well, listening to Michael O'Donovan, we're told yes. We're told that the Gardaí are going to be doing spot checks. We're told that the HSC is going to be doing uh, spot checks. The HSA are going to be doing spot checks. So let's wait and see what happens by the end of the weekend. Anyway, Michael says they might work in the early part of the night, but as the clock ticks on, getting to around two or three in the morning, that will be the test of time. And again, says Michael, with 448 people in hospital and 88 of those in ICU, it's not looking very healthy or 
safe at the moment, is it? Keep safe. And same back to you, Michael. Thank you for that. John and Carrie Goline says, Patricia, anybody going into a pub or a nightclub this weekend, I, this is John's view, so I think they need their heads examined. All the experts in the country are warning against it and here we are reopening more and more. But you know, as Michael says, we've, we have to get back to normality and we have to allow the nighttime trade to open up. It's to try to get the balance right. Anyway, John in Carrigaline says there is a sting in the tail on its way. Christmas 2020 all over again. More and more people will get COVID as the vaccines start to wear off. I'm staying in my own lockdown, says John. I'm not interested in drinking or snorting cocaine anytime soon. I'm glad to hear you're not interested in snorting cocaine, uh, John. But you, you've, you've answered your own worries as well. And that's what listening to Dr. Tony Houlihan or Dr. Killian de Gascoigne, any of the experts, if you don't feel safe and if you go somewhere where you don't feel safe, I mean, even Michael Martin said it during the week, if you go into a restaurant or into a cafe and they're not checking your COVID passes and you ask them why they're not checking it and if you're in there and you're feeling unsafe, just simply leave. I mean, that's we all, there's personal responsibility in all of this as well. Liz, thank you for your text, John, and stay safe. Liz said, listening to all of the regulations, the new regulations have come in. She reckons there's a carry-on movie in those rules carry on crazy says Liz Morning Patricia with reference to COVID-19 I was both shocked and amazed to see that our one of our local universities has put students on notice that they will be exiting exams in house uh, this Christmas what kind of madness is this considering all of these students will be assembled in smaller areas and then they'll have to return home to their family homes for Christmas it's like a time bomb waiting to explode why is the Minister for Higher Education putting people in this situation. One can imagine people who have labs having to be present to do practical type work, but others do not. It's totally foolhardy I feel, and obviously given little or no thought. And what about those students who haven't been able to secure accommodation and they've been driving from all outside counties driving in and out to university every day. They're asking them to sit their exams which could easily be done online. Also, there needs to be checks in place that all lecturers are putting their lectures up online. If this is the deal with the colleges, as it seems to be, because this listener is hearing that some are not, or if the lectures aren't going up online, tell the student they need to be pointing that out to the university to make sure that the lectures are up online, they get everything that they need to get uh, in order for them to be able to study properly. Hi, uh, Patricia, this is from Mary. I'm just wondering, uh, people that have their birth name on their COVID certificate and it doesn't correspond with the name on their passport will they have problem entering venues Um, I come under that category when I have to bring my photo ID my photo ID the name of my photo ID is going to be different to the name on my COVID cert we had that certainly back in the summer when the COVID cert started to arrive Mary if you can go online and if you just Google name change on a COVID cert it will bring you to a gov.ie page and it's a very simple procedure because I ended up having to do it for Marsha when her COVID cert arrived just in case that I needed to be somewhere where the photo ID would be needed and all of her photo ID obviously her passport is in her 
proper name and her Marcia's real name is Maria uh, and we even spell Maria the Russian way M-A-R-I-Y-A which can also cause problems but anyway but it, that's different to what's on her COVID search her COVID search she's down as Marcia which is what we all refer to her as so I went on to gov.ie what you need to do is you put in your PPS number and the mobile number that you used when you made your booking for your COVID for your COVID vaccine then you put in the cert number that's on the actual cert that you already have you put in your forename your surname and your date of birth and then the next section is you tick the fields that you want updated like if it's your forename you want changed which I take it in your case that's what it is but you can get your surname sometimes the surnames were spelt wrong or it might have been a name like O'Driscoll and the O wasn't in it so it didn't match with the passport etc and for others actually the date of birth was even wrong so it allows you to change that and then you put in your email address you confirm your email address and you send it off and then what happens is within a few days I mean certainly I had Marsha's new cert back I think within three days I had the cert back and that was at a time when a lot of people were doing it it's probably even faster now so it is it is possible to do it Mary to get your name changed to what the name is on your passport or on your other photo ID Hi Patricia just listening to you about the rising Covid cases I'm not surprised I was in a pub last weekend there was a live band playing and if I can say older people not saying any age dancing waltzes quick steps etc none of them were wearing masks and they were all changing partners at nearly every dance I felt as though it was all a little bit too risky for me no wonder the cases are rising the organisers of these venues and also the people dancing should cop themselves on as this virus hasn't gone away and probably never will in the short term but I don't want it that's for sure Uh, things in my view are opening up too early too quickly and also probably no COVID passes shown as I certainly wasn't asked for mine when I went in complacency will cause more COVID to spread I would think thank you obviously don't call out my name for obvious reasons again if you're if you in a situation like that you obviously felt very uncomfortable I, I'm assuming you didn't stay uh, very long and somebody else says lockdown is on the way for Christmas for sure it, Christmas will be cancelled that is the way it is going at the moment and everybody hopes not 1850 Now, can I go to something completely different? This came in by email to us during the week, and it's to do with what the, the listener is calling it out as sexism. And I'm going to call it out because I, I want your thoughts. Has, has this happened to many other people? And do people have an understanding of why this would happen? And it reads, "Hi Patricia, please, if you decide to read this out on air, do not read out my name. I wish to remain anonymous. But can you please read out this on air and help me get some answers to what is going on in my local town? I'm boys born and raised in a town in North Cork, and the reason I'm not identifying the town is I don't want to identify the business. Anyway, it's it's has always been and will always be my home." And I love my little town. The sense of community is unrivaled and there are so many good people living here. So when I walked into a barber's shop in the town and took a seat, the last thing I was expecting was to be denied service. Why? Because I'm a woman. I sat there in complete shock for a couple of seconds, just staring at the barber. I could not believe my ears. Once I was sure I could speak without my voice cracking or tears escaping, I looked up at him again and asked if what he was ju- if what he had just said was legal. And he told me that because there's a hairdresser's on the same street, their lease agreement states 
that they're not allowed to cut women's hair and the hairdressers down the road are not allowed to cut men's hair. It's the most insane thing I've ever heard. If this is true, I can see why their lease agreement makes sense on paper. They're trying to prevent competition between businesses. But being refused a service based on gender in 2021, surely that has to be an illegal act. Now, I very short hair. And I keep some parts very tightly shaved. I just wanted those areas tidied up. I always go to a barber in between seeing my own hairdresser to keep it neat and tidy. That is what a barber does best. This has left me completely baffled and, to be honest, really, really hurt. As a woman, I've dealt with my fair share of sexist behaviour and comments over the years and it's never really fazed me. But this time it was different. Never, ever have I been refused a service based on my gender. It honestly killed me and I just broke down. You don't understand how hurtful it is until you experience it yourself. I would understand them saying no if I was requesting, say, a full head of highlights or something. This would cause friction with the hairdressers. But when I'm a paying customer requesting a service and I'm turned down because I'm missing the Y chromosome, that just doesn't sit right with me. And the funny thing is, I tried the hairdressers first and they sent me to the barbershop. I never thought something like this would bother and upset me the way it has. But then again, I've never come up against anything this blatantly sexist. The owner's only defence when I requested a conversation with him about what happened was that they were not sexist pigs because they had a female barber. I'm also extremely disappointed in a room full of men listening to the conversation and who chose to say nothing. These were men I actually know. What is going on here really needs to stop. What if I was transgender or identified as male for argument's sake, but still looked too feminine for this barber's shop's liking? How is a person supposed to respond to that? The wrong comment to the wrong person could have dire consequences. That is why businesses are becoming more all-round inclusive than ever before. If that lease agreement exists, then shame on the people who own the units. And if this is a business decision made by the barber shop owner, then shame on you. Thanking you, Patricia. And obviously we're withholding that lady's name and address. Has that ever happened to anybody else before? Do you go into a barber's and they say, no, there's a hairdresser up the road? What, what I find kind of a bit unusual about the story was that our listener went into the hairdresser because she just wanted, obviously, the sides shaved and, and tidied up. And the hairdresser sent her to the barber. And if that's the case, and I'm, a, did you mention that to the barber? Well, the hairdresser has sent me down to you. Because if that, that is the case, what the barber shop is saying about the lease couldn't be true. If the actual hairdresser up the road that he referenced is the same hairdresser that has this agreement. I'd only do women and you only do men. So we're putting it out there. Have other women, particularly if you've got short hair, and, you, and you, the listener is right. If it's a short back and sides, and lots of women go for short back and sides, a barber is by far, that's not to take from hairdressers. Female hairdressers are not good at doing a short back and sides, but barbers do more of them. So they're probably more expert at it than say a hairdresser, whereas the hairdresser doing the highlights, the females probably does more of that so they'd be more of an expert again that's not to say a barber can't give you highlights as well anyway let us know has that ever happened to you before have you been have you ever been turned away from a service because this this sister is calling it out as sexism because she was turned away from from the business because she was a woman but do many barbers cut women's hair 
and do many hairdressers cut men's hair and has there ever been a problem like this? Has anybody else heard of a problem like this before? I am interested in your thoughts. 1850 333 103 John Paul taking the calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Full and part-time sales assistant are required for Caulfield Supervalue. They're based in Bandon. Applicants must be flexible for working times please. CVs to Bandonman at Caulfields.com KPH Construction they're looking for experienced pipe layers excavator drivers and carpenters it's for work in the Blarney area James is your contact on 087 Internal Sales Executive required from Mallow email your CV to Douglas at acravat.ie and a van driver is wanted for deliveries to pharmacies and to hospitals. Email tim at freightspeed.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And just on from our street fleet, just a traffic update. There's been a significant oil spill on the M8 northbound. It's just north of the Dunkettle interchange. The fire service are en route to clean it up, but motorists are asked to take care and approach as the surface will be extremely slippy. That's on the M8 northbound, just north of the Dunkettle Interchange. Now, much-loved author Alice Taylor has just published her latest book and it focuses on the ups and downs of living on your own. Some people are home alone by choice, but others like Alice journeyed into it through a change of circumstances. Delighted to say the lovely Alice Taylor on this, as we kick into a bank holiday weekend, joins us to talk about her new book, Tea for One. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. And I was describing your book to uh, someone this morning here in the building because I finished it last night and I, when I, I closed it and I sort of sighed and said, do you know something, Alice Taylor's book, it's like sitting and having a big warm blanket wrapped <laughs> around you. A little bit like your Galway shawl that you talk about in the book. Yeah. It's just, you've got a, such a fantastic knack and you've never lost it, I have to say, from, from book one. So well done. It's another another terrific book. Thank okay, you, Let's get that out of the way. Now, the key to living on your own is keeping busy. That's something that you've always managed to do, isn't it? Yeah, I think mentally busy is the most important thing, um, Patricia. You know, have have um, little little projects. You know, and I find the garden is is, is the, the garden is great because a garden is never you. You know, there's a lovely quote. I think uh, um, uh, a garden is a thing of beauty and a job forever. Yeah, and it is like little little projects, and uh, then you know. Um, I like reading and, you know, I think reading is a great, it's a great um, kind of an, in, as well as being an enhancement of the mind. You, It's escapism, really, like, but you learn a lot in books. I think books are an enrichment to any life. And then I do a bit of painting. Now, Patricia, I'm no money, but I do a bit of... Um, um, a bit of spatula on canvas anyway but when you're at when you're painting or when you're gardening or when you do anything creative it could be baking knitting anything you're totally absorbed 
So I think our creativity is, it's our enrichment, really. Yeah, because one of the lines in, in the book where, where you say, you know, there, there's therapy in doing. There is. And, and you know, and, and there really, really uh, um, is. And as the title suggests, um, tea for one, you love a good cup of tea. <laughs> it's called a spade a spade. Yeah, my you, mother was, was, was absolutely so fussy about tea. She made a great cup of tea and uh, she would never have used tea bags. And uh, but then, like everyone else, I graduated onto tea bags. And uh, but then um, one day, a friend of mine, Nilera, she lives near Ballymaloo, and she brought me a packet of Ballymaloo tea. And you know, um, Patricia, I was looking at it, I thought, oh my God, I said, look at this, I have, I, that's, it brought back memories. And I thought, why did, why did I, why did I move on to tea bags? And one of, the, one of my lads came in the door and he said, what do you look at? And I explained. And he said, he said, Nana would never, never have used tea bags. Why did you? I said, I don't know. I suppose tea leaves are messy in the sink or something. I don't know. And um, I, so yeah, he disappeared. And the following day he came home uh, with, a little, with a little teapot with an infuser. No, I'd never seen one of these. And you put your, your loose tea into the infuser. And I thought, well, isn't that lovely? And then a couple of days after a friend of mine knitted this lovely tea cosy that's on the cover and the girl who knitted that um, um, Patricia is blind is she? and it's been blind since birth yeah. and um, but she an ama- she's an amazing girl and part of an amazing family there's three siblings and they're you know partially sighted and they go sailing they play music they do everything Nothing, nothing stopping them, nothing and and she's a, she's she's talented with a set of knitting needles as well. I I, 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 I can tell you that. So you got back to just, and have you stuck with the tea leaves? I have. Have you? Every morning, it's a little ritual, and I think as well because the story that's attached to the tea cosy isn't it all about the story, really? It is, yeah, it is. You know, I just love using the tea cosy, and because I actually painted with that girl's grandmother, we were great friends, and they they were a wonderful family. And um, the mother writes beautiful poetry. So uh, there's a story attached to the tea cosy, which, and I think that's what you know what enriches life as well. Um, you know, family heirlooms, and I use the word heirlooms now in inverted commas. They needn't be valuable, but because they've been handed down, and people whom you have loved and remembered uh, are part of them, they enrich your life. You know, yeah, they, 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 and they can bring you back to that person. You can, can, you can just for that moment. Yeah. You know, they, it's almost like that person is back with you. You mentioned uh, gardening, and the garden, particularly during COVID, so many people discovered gardening for the first time, which I think is fantastic. And I know on our gardening start with Peter Dowdle, the amount of people that are saying they've come to gardening, and hopefully they will continue uh, with it. You, you got great refuge. In, oh, during I COVID. I did. And the amazing thing is, you'd, you'd think it was a premonition, but the previous October, before COVID came in the door, I had planted dozens of tulips, dozens of them. And, and normally I wouldn't have done it. And, um, and then come March and April, when COVID arrived, my yard, all the tulips came up. And I thought, my God, I must actually say, Patricia, they saved my sanity. Mm. Mm. I like, and we're into October now, so, so people need to do it oh, now yeah. for Stop next planting. year. Yeah, have you got yours in? <laughs> I have. have I, I have them out in the back, yeah, back porch. Um, you know, bags of them, and you know, bulbs don't cost a lot. They don't. But they're an investment in yourself. At the moment now, I'm kind of putting what I call putting the garden to bed. 
<laughs> you know, no. after the summer, this, you know, you have the sweet peas and you have everything. They're all a bit, bit draggled. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, now I tell you, Patricia, before I go out in the morning and I do the whole yard uh, in one day and then I go up to the garden, now, Patricia, I have to take it bit by bit. <laughs> 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 now we we spoke to you at the time of your wonderful cocooning uh, book. Yes. So I was interested when I was reading this one. You didn't spring out the door at no. the at the end of it, and I, I think a lot of people will identify with you on yes. this. I kind of the first day I didn't go at all. I don't know why. I I kind of thought, what's wrong with me? I thought we'd be out like bullets, and. Um, yeah, it was a day or two before I went out because I don't know. I thought, God, have I got institutionalized? How was it that I got used to be on my own? And I don't know, but then when I went out the first evening, I didn't go out until the, until the evening. I love the evening. There's a quietness about the village and, you know, things have settled down and people have stopped rushing. So I went out in the, in the evening and I walked up the hill and the funniest thing happened. Um, my daughter lives up the hill and... Um, of course, we were only looking in the window at each other for weeks, and her little fellow, who was four, heard me talking outside the window because Vince and my son opened the window, and we were talking in at a distance. And then, of course, the little fellow, Tim, got up on the chair, and he put his head out the window, and he looked at me in amazement that I was out, and he said, Nana, who left you out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit of that about it. We were like fellas released from jumping from Mount Joy. Yeah, yeah, but but people were nervous about it, and people and you can there's almost a sense of it coming creeping back in again with the right. with the figures going uh, the, yeah. the, the way we're going. And of course, there was new additions to the to to the family. I mean, you had a you had a pandemic christening. We had. And it was, you know, we were, it was a bit like the weddings. Uh, you know, is it on, is it off? And it was cancelled, it was cancelled. And then we had it in the end. But we had to be, and just before, um, just the week before a golf gate happened, which was the terror got into the whole country. <laughs> and uh, so we were fierce careful. And we were out in the yard because there was a fierce, Jimmy, there was a fierce um, storm came a couple of days before it. There was, yeah. And we were watching the weather and, oh, you, you know what, what? Covid has done to us, Patricia. Um, it has kind of stripped away our social fabric, hasn't it? Mm, absolutely. You absolutely. know, you, if you go out now, have I my mask? Have I my certificate? You would like fellas going to America. <laughs> you know, you have to take all these steps. But we had the Covid christening, and um, you know, it was okay. We were, we were very limited. Now, I was God. One of the lads was supposed to be Godparent, but was I did it because he lived in another country, and I did. I stood in. And you know something, there's something lovely about the rituals of ceremonies, church ceremonies, you know, the christening. I thought, do we really listen to the words like, and I think because I was godparent, I kind of absorbed it all. And it was a lovely ceremony, mm. you know. Because, yeah, because when, when I was going up to the church during COVID times and the door locked. Oh, God. God, that was hard, wasn't it? It was hard, you know, and you kind of felt... Oh my God! I remember the first time I went up when the three doors were locked because, like most churches, these be, it was a bit like a, a prison. Only we were locked instead of being locked in, Patricia. We were locked out, and um, then when the doors opened, it was great because the candelabra in our church always full of lighted candles. People got solace from going in, mm. sitting, lighting a candle. 
you know, it's the simple things. And we have the graveyard around the church and people walked around and prayed at their graves and people talked across the heads. You know, a, um, a grave is, is a great social distancer and you could chat to the neighbours. So, and a lot of chatting took place out the, you know, the roads. Well, I, I had a, f- a friend of mine uh, and her, her, one of her friendship groups, uh, were, they were missing each other and they were fed up with all the Zoom calls and they, they met at the cemetery. <laughs> they decided and it became a kind of a weekly thing yeah. where, and they'd walk and then they'd walk around. There was one who was, one of them was great at knowing who everybody was and I was married to that one and he was that one's mother and, and they, it, became, it became a little ritual. They kept their distance but yeah. then they met in the cemetery. And the other one was the, uh, we all took to online mass. Oh yeah. But what was the great advantage to that was you could go outside of your parish. You could go anywhere. <laughs> you could go anywhere. And one day up at the graveyard a friend of mine said, I go to Mass in Bohabui, she said every night. I said, Who the hell do you go to Mass in Bohabui? She said, Church TV services dot IE. Now I'm no computer whiz kid, but I got on the laptop and anyway I found myself in the church in Bohabui by 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 pressing the right buttons and I was amazed. No, that's I was confirmed in that church, yeah. and I mean, I went to, I went to, um, to school in the diocese of Kerry, and um, it was great. And you know, um, he says the rose were there, Father Kelly, before mass every night. He's mass between he's either in Kishkeem or Bohabi, and he says the rosary. And of course, we were all reared with the rosary, but, but um, Patricia, the rosary fell off the table as as, as life got busier. But it, it was lovely. To, it's lovely to hear it and to the, the the ordinary parishioners came up and said the rosary you know mm-hmm. fellas that you knew were rosary people and then hearing the town's lands that That's you would right. yeah there's something I mean, very special about that yeah there's something yeah. there's something lovely about the names of the you know to hear them called because I knew them Gortierk and all this I knew them all of course and it took me back it was lovely I, I had a relative of mine who decided to go international. She she reckoned she had the Pope one Sunday for Mass and she was in Lourdes another Sunday watching Mass. So you could go anywhere in you the world on, 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 online. By the way, Alice, how do you think your parents would have coped with all of this? How do I keep on? How do you think your parents would have coped with the pandemic and COVID times? Sorry, I can't, I'm not catching that. H- how do you think your mother and father would have oh, dealt with all of this? Coped. Yeah. Oh, I say, Patricia, no bother. Sure, Patricia, life was like that when we were growing up in the country. We never went anywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, sure, we were totally self-sufficient. And they were, I mean, that generation were great prayers. You know, they prayed, they said the rosary, and they did, They only went to Mass every Sunday. So the neighbours I know called, but, um, you know, sure, they talked over ditches and everything. So I think the generation that went before us would have coped very well with it. You know, Probably better than than we've done oh, at I times so. and would have abided by all of the rules and regulations oh, for sure. Here's a lovely text. Just want to say hello to Alice. She's a pleasure to listen to. A wonderful storyteller. My mum, Nellie O'Donovan and Alice oh, were yes. flatmates years and That's years right. and years ago. And I believe my mum, Nellie O'Donovan, introduced Alice to her husband, Gabriel. Indeed. Did she? There you go. There you go. There you go. And and the other thing in your book, you talk about uh, Mrs. C, as you refer to as the lady who came to live with you in the West Wing. The West Wing, and she's been on your mind because of everything that's been going on. Tell me about that. She was a remarkable woman in many ways. Amazing woman. The only one I could really compare it to, Patricia, was Mrs. Simpson. (laughs) 
you know, mm-hmm. so plain, elegant, which oh, and such a, um, oh God, she was very funny, but it, it, she had kind of a dark humour. But she moved in with us, and I used to, I thought, what, why the hell is she moving in with us? Because she lived in, she came out of one of the great houses in the west of Ireland. I mean, she was related to the. Lark Lennon and the Yates. I had a Jack Yates hanging on my wall for a while she was here. Could you believe it? Wow. So she was very posh. and uh, But she lived down the river here from us. And when the husband died, she came and she said to me, could I move into that little apartment upstairs? She knew we had it. And uh, well, I said, yeah. And I thought it was a temporary measure. This woman had lived all her life in France and she was very sophisticated. So anyway, she went. And after about a couple of weeks, you see, mobile phones wouldn't have been that common. She said, can I get in the phone? And I said, oh, my God. I said, you can. And then I realized she was going to stay. She was with us for 14 years. <laughs> but anyway, she was I, the one picture I always remember of her. She was standing top of the stairs one day. Now, this woman was in her 80s at the time. And there she was with her her black ebony walking stick. She was very supercilious. And um, I was running up the stairs with a basket of laundry. And, um, you know, and she waited at the top. And, of course, she was used to, have to come down the stairs very slowly. And she said to me in her best Anglo-Irish accent, Alice, my dear, she said, don't ever grow old. It's an appalling condition. <laughs> and all right she was. <laughs> all right she was. And I thought, what's she talking about? To me, she had a great life. She had bridge parties. She went out to dinner. She went to Harrods to do her Christmas shopping. Wow. wow. And, and of course, what a smart woman because she moved into a house that was full of life oh, and children. she did. She said, uh, oh, I, because I said it one day, oh, she said, my dear, she said, the old should surround themselves with the young. Yeah, she's so right. She's she she's, so, she's so right. Oh, she was. Listen, a fabulous book. I can see lots of people, including Margaret says, um, I'm living on my own too. And I have to say, I love it. Uh, I really enjoy yeah, Alice's uh, Alice's book. You you can, you can. But it, it, it is to keep busy. And people are going to have to go out and buy the book to work out how a fabulous <laughs> painting from Alice started out as a hare, but ended up as a deer. <laughs> Listen, Alice, it's a pleasure as always. We'll talk to you on Christmas Eve, as we always do anyway. Yeah, thanks, Look after yourself yes. and best of luck with your lady book. Yes. God bless. Thank you. Patricia. Bye bye. Bye bye. It is called uh, T41 and it is published as always by uh, Brandon Books. It is absolutely delight- delightful. The effervescent wonderful Alice Taylor. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie For C103 photos, videos and more, follow us on Instagram and get a good look at what's going on across Cork. Search Instagram for at C103 Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. A recent report by Sport Ireland shows that there has been a slow return to social participation in sport and in order to encourage more people to get physically active again, Sport Ireland have launched a Let's Get Back campaign and one of its ambassadors is sports journalist from Mill Street, Joanne O'Reardon, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Joanne. Hey Patricia, congratulations uh, on your recent award. Thank you. You're, you're way more exciting than me. Uh, you're, well, you're very kind. Now, the study shows that sports participation rates is behind where they were when the pandemic started in 2019. Do you believe that, the, is there a nervousness, do you think, uh, uh, why some people are slow to get back to the sports they were doing beforehand? Yeah, there's definitely an apprehension, you know, I suppose, you know, one, I suppose for a lot of people, you know, the obvious one is, is the pandemic themselves. They don't want to go out and, and put people, you know, at risk. 
Um, you know, people obviously want to just be as safe as they as they possibly can, so don't want to be missing in a team environment or putting themselves, you know, out of the norm and maybe bringing in another bunch of people into their bubble or whatever it may be. And then you have, you know, the basic stuff, you know, like everyone else, you know, maybe you kind of let yourself go a little bit during the pandemic because you thought no one would see you. I know I certainly did. Um, and, you know, you're probably just worried about your entire fitness level. You know, you don't want to go back and embarrass yourself or, you know, you just want to be kind of doing it by yourself and making sure no one else sees you. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, we all have different reasons for not wanting to get back to sport. Um, but I think there are so many positives, you know, to getting back to sport. You know, I know from my perspective, like, not only are there, are there insane physical benefits that I've had, um, but like the mental benefits, you know, like I'm de-stressed, you know, afterwards. I'm less, I'm less shouty, as they tell me here at home. Um, and I'm just like a bit more like awake, more concentrated, a bit more alert, really. Yeah, and I mean, it isn't uh, isn't always necessarily about joining your local club. You can get physically active by simply walking, running, you know, doing your own exercise. Yeah, like, I mean, you can you can do your own thing. Like, I mean, I do like individual like Pilates and yoga classes, you know, I'm definitely slacking off a little bit coming towards the winter time, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, it's it's just really about getting yourself back out there. You know, and I know the campaign is trying to encourage you to get back into team sports, but if you're just a bit nervous, you know, start off yourself, you know, like go for a walk around your local park. Build, yeah, yeah, build it up. But because yeah. there, there's a huge social side involved in the local club and the team sport, though, isn't it? And that's what people have been missing out on, that social side. Completely. Like, I mean, we're like human condition 101. We're not designed, you know, to be by ourselves. And we have been by ourselves essentially for the last 18 months, you know, either working from home or just staying within our house. So, yeah, like, I mean, there's different reasons, you know, to get back to a team sport, you know, from not even a fitness point of view, like make new friends, get a part of the community, you know, actually having like being belonging to something, you know, is just so important and having an actual purpose in life. Um, I think it's completely huge. And whether that's something small, like getting to a quarter final with your local team or winning in All-Ireland, whatever it may be, whatever those personal goals are, if they're big to you, then, you know, they're big. So like celebrate them and try and work as hard as you can to get to them. Yeah, well said. And of course, there's no limits now on attending outdoor sports event. It's important to go along and support your local team as well. That's the other side of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, these are all people who have struggled as well, you know, for the last 18 months. Like I remember myself and my dad, you know, last year when it was restrictions were lifted for a little bit during the summer. Myself and my dad, we went to a challenge game and you'd swear we were going to an All-Ireland final. We were so <laughs> excited. We are like, oh my God, we're actually going to a game and seeing people. Uh, like it was wild. And I think, yeah, it's just that important, you know, of like, you know, that's the thing that we love doing and hanging out at the weekends. It can become a little ritual, you know, between you and a family member or you and a friend. Um, and then on top of that, as you said, you're supporting your local team, you know, mm. like you're getting involved. Um, and I think really that's what people want, you know, is to get people involved within their club, have more volunteers, have more fans, whatever it may be, um, and just be part of something, you know, and be involved in the community. Yeah, and it can be outdoors, which we're all being told is is safer. And mm-hmm. I'm glad you've touched on volunteers because every single sports club needs volunteers to, to run them. So that's something, if people mm-hmm. maybe are gone past being involved in team sports, you can still be involved in your local club by volunteering. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, as I always say to the lads, you don't have to be, you know, a winner, uh, kicking kicking the winner in the county final. Like, who got them there at underage level? Whoever is making the sandwiches at halftime or bringing out the water, whatever it may be, they're just as important to the local community. And I think if you're only within a team or like an environment like that, it's only those people then within that culture that respects it. But, you know, I think volunteers are so important. I mean, Ireland has the highest rate of volunteers, I think, in the world. So, like, we're a nation that loves volunteering, so... It'd be just good, you know, to see people getting back and just being involved, you know, in something and um, 
I think, you know, getting up, making memories, making lifelong friends and just having experiences of a lifetime. Yeah, as are the, it's as important as the lunatics on the side like yourself shouting, <laughs> shouting on. You're, you're quite famous for that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, it's just, it's, just, it's just a sense of belonging, isn't it? You know, I mean, mm. we all want to be a part of something. And I think it's, you know, really important as well to encourage like, not only people of a sporting ability, but people of all abilities, you know, to get out. So, like, I've no limbs. I can't kick a ball. But yes, I love writing. And I think the way for everyone to be a part of their sports community without having to actually physically be training every Tuesday, Thursday and having a match on Sunday, you can be involved in so many other facets as well. Not to be too discouraged. Okay, and what are you up to at the moment? I mean, I have to say, we watched you with great pride commentating on the Paralympics. I don't think I missed one single uh, broadcast that you did. You were superb. Uh, Sure, I've only learned from the best. Uh, (laughs) Did you love every minute of it? Yeah, like it was a complete, it was definitely on my end, it was a complete honour. You know, I think to be able to bring all those like broadcasting memories you know, into people's homes, you know, something I would have watched, you know, when I was younger and to be a part of watching people make history, you know, Jason Smith winning his umpteenth gold medal by a hundred, you know, a hundredth of a second, whatever it was. Um, and to see the two girls, Katie George and Eve, um, cycling, you know, like not even having a velodrome and having a world record for 20 minutes, you know, just really incredible achievements and being a, a part of it. You know, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, you're not exactly doing the task yourself, but you're still part of it and you seem to like you're involved. So it was just a, a moment of a lifetime basically for me. And even though it was only 10 days, I felt like 100, but I definitely didn't want it to end, that's for sure. Will we see more of you on TV? Um, fingers crossed anyway. Fingers crossed, I'm hoping anyways in the future. So, uh, yeah, it's still exciting. You have a real talent for it. You have a real talent oh, for it. God. And listen, can we wish um, your brother, your lovely brother Stephen, the best of luck for tomorrow? Oh yeah, big big wedding day tomorrow. Whoa. Pass on our best wishes to him, will you? Have a I great will, day. No worries. And, we'll, have to, we'll have to bring him in for a celebration. We will. And come here, behave yourself. We will. Yeah. We will. We're very well behaved, Patricia. <laughs> I know you well, girl. Listen, Joe, and thanks. A pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Thanks for, Thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. And somebody says, Patricia, as you're talking about sport, will you wish the Irish Kettlebells Federation team they're participating in the World Kettlebells Championship in Budapest this weekend. Who knew? Especially my niece, Kira Osborne from Blarney, who is part of the team. So best of luck to the Irish Kettlebells Federation team in Budapest this weekend. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts and comments coming in. Number of people uh, really delighted with our interview with Alice Taylor. Pat and Kilmalik, I think, summing it up, saying, Hi, Patricia. Great to hear Alice Taylor on the programme this morning. She's a national institution. Bless her always. She is. And so we listen and we love having Alice on. We absolutely love having it on. She's always, in, she's always in good form, no matter when we ring her, no matter how tough times are. She's just, she is, you're right, she is a, a national institution. I'd go so far as to say she's a national treasure. And when I was asking her, I was interested in her thoughts on how her parents would have coped with the pandemic. Somebody's making the point that the previous generation went through the Spanish flu, so many of them would have lived through their own pandemic and, of course, many of them would have lived through two world wars. They were much stronger people, uh, for sure. All right, you are. 1850-333-103. And then we had some reaction to, you know, the email that I read out from our listener who went into a North Cork town to a barber's shop, sat down in the shop. She's got a short haircut, 
just kind of wanted the sides trimmed and was sitting there to be told by the barber, uh, sorry, denied service because she was a woman. We only cut men's hair. And the barber said to her, the reason for it was that there's the hairdressers on the same street. And the barber said that their lease agreement states that they're not allowed to cut women's hair and that the hairdressers are not allowed to cut men's hair. But the thing in the tale was she'd gone into the hairdressers and the hairdressers had sent her up to the barber, but the barber sent her away. And anyway, she was quite upset, upset by the whole thing. And, you know, it's calling it out as she feels it is sexism. Straight away, there was, and I don't know if this is of any use to our listener or, la, or not, but Mick Stack, thank you Mick for that, Mick Stack at Stack's Barbers in Mitchellstown was on to us straight away to say, tell that woman to call into us here. We'd be happy to look after her. So if our listener wants to go to, it's not the same town now, but if she's willing to travel to Mick Stack's, Stack's Barbers in Mitchellstown, they'd be more than happy to give her her short back and sides. So she just wants the sides kind of trimmed in a little bit. Mike says, hi Patricia, my friend only has a short bit of hair at the back. Always gets charged full price at a barber's. <laughs> Should you pay less if you're slightly balding? I don't know. With a barber shop, you're making much money out of that. Uh, Mary says, Patricia, I also have short hair. I was charged 20 euro for a haircut at the hairdresser's. She spent six minutes cutting it. I'm considering going to a barber's next time. Short hair requires more skill to cut. I don't think I get that at my hairdresser, says Mary. All right, OK, well, good luck and let us know um, what barber you go into and if they are accepting females or not. And somebody else says, Patricia, you had a barber on about two years ago on the exact same issue. Yes, barbers can refuse to cut a woman's hair if they feel they may not be appropriately trained, but it's definitely not in a lease agreement. God, I don't remember doing that. Did we do that? Maybe we did. But not in a lease agreement. OK, well, this barber is adamant that it is in the lease agreement, but if it is, it doesn't tally with what the hairdresser said because the hairdresser sent our, our woman down to get her hair cut at the barber. So thank you for your calls and texts in on that, on the opening up and the new guidelines that are in place from today Friday the 22nd of October, still getting calls in about that Patricia, it's shocking that nightclubs are opening, the cases are simply too high for the nightclubs to reopen it's a joke, what way will the cases be next week what will they do then somebody is fearful of Hi Patricia, a lot of people that are unvaccinated are using vaccinated people certs on their phones. This has to stop. Well, the government are very much aware of that. And they are, you know, because we were, I think every radio station in the country was hearing stories from people saying that they know for a fact somebody's using somebody else's COVID cert or they went in somewhere and they weren't being checked. And if you listen carefully to the guidelines that were issued yesterday and if you listened to Michal Martin talking about it, Leo Varadkar talking about it, they are really placing a lot of emphasis on businesses now to check proof of immunity, proof of immunity being the COVID passport. But they are also saying that, and this is directly coming from gov.ie from the latest guidelines, they say it is important that businesses should check photo ID when checking proof of immunity. They say there are some limited circumstances where this may not be necessary. For example, where the person is known to the business. But if you're not known to the business, they are saying that you must look for, show the COVID cert. Then if the person on the door does not know that person, they must have photo ID to prove that they are one and the same person. So the government are aware of it and and they definitely are trying to clamp down on it. Will it work or not? 
only time will tell. Jerry says, uh, thanks for that, Mary. Uh, Jerry on COVID says, just wondering, would the, you know, the vaccination COVID record card that we bought with us when we got vaccinated and then they put the two dates uh, on it, would that do to get you into a bar rather than bringing the big cert, cert version with you? Uh, says Jerry, no, it won't do. You have to actually bring the cert with you. If you have a smartphone, you can put it on to the COVID app. You can bring it with you that way. But if you don't, you're physically going to have to bring the cert uh, with you. The reason for it is it's the QR code on it. A lot of the businesses scan the QR code to make sure that it is a valid cert, uh, for example. So no, your COVID record card will not do. It won't give, get you access to a business premises who are abiding strictly by the regulations and insisting that everybody shows their COVID cert. Uh, John, by WhatsApp, says, Patricia, opening up nightclubs, I feel, is a huge gamble. The daily numbers are rising and the hospitals could be overwhelmed very quickly. Are we facing another lockdown in November? If so, that would be an awful vista, says John. Well, Paul Reid of the HSE going through the figures and, you know, talking about there's always a lag when you get high figures. It can take a month before the hospitals see those people become so unwell that they need ICU care. Uh, so going by that, the figures that we're seeing at the moment, it would be the this time next month, the end of November, before we would be seeing them presenting into hospital. So yes, there is certainly a worrying, worrying time uh, ahead. Hi Patricia, it's all common sense really. You think before you meet up with people and you say to yourself, is it a good idea to meet up with a certain group of people and where we're actually going to be? At the end of the day, we all have personal responsibility for ourselves and for our loved ones. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And you risk assess if you have made plans to go somewhere and if you go there and if you're feeling uncomfortable, a little bit like the one of our previous texters earlier this morning was in some place last weekend and reckoned there was a lot of people out dancing and they were all mixing, you know, different partners or mixing with different partners. People weren't wearing masks. People weren't abiding by social distancing to the point that the person felt uncomfortable in cases like that. Then you, you, you exit. Stage left. I was going to say leave the door you came in with, but you can't do that. Sometimes there's a, there's a one way in and a one way out. But you are right. Absolutely, 100%. It is all down to personal responsibility. And hi to uh, Mike Fitzgerald has sent in a text saying, would you give a mention, please, uh, to that we are running this on Sunday afternoon. A lot of people are ringing to check to see is it on Saturday or Sunday. It's the Sleeve Lucra Cycle Club. They're running a big cycle competition and they're running it at Mike Fitzgerald's Star Trek and it's happening next Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock. People are getting confused thinking that it's on on Saturday. It's next Sunday starting at at 10. Thank you for that. Mike, hope you and the rest of the gang at Star Trek are keeping well. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. The Terence McSweeney weekend commemorating the former Cork Lord Mayor and his fellow hunger strikers. That's going to be held at the Independence Museum in Kilmurray. It's across this weekend. Full details on their website, kilmurraymuseum.ie, or by calling 021 Driving bingo is continuing tonight in Kildallery Creamery Yard. While Timaleague bingo, that's returning tonight, half past eight. Please note, face coverings must be worn and your vaccination certs must be produced when entering. 
Ballydehop Threshing and Vintage Car Club. They're cancelled for this weekend and that's due to the high COVID figures and the Castletown Bear Development Association. They have also taken the decision with great regret to cancel the drive-in bingo due to be held in Castletown Bear tonight. Uh, Keep an eye on social media for the next uh, date. But across this weekend, Boeing Tractor and Vintage Car Run in Ada Marymount Hospice. That's going to take place on Sunday. Registration is at Boeing Hall at 11am and the run sets off at 12.30. Inquiries please to Tim at 086 2656 Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Now yesterday afternoon, Patrick O'Donovan, the Minister for State with responsibility for the Office of Public Works, the OPW, uh, went to to Clonakilty was to mark the completion of the Clonakilty Flood Relief Scheme, which came at a total cost of 33.8 million. Former town councillor Humphrey Deegan has. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu code GLOW. Concerns about the new scheme and he joins me. Good morning to you, Humphrey. Morning, Patricia. Um, now, the, the ring road flooded in Clonakilty Monday and Tuesday of this week. It did. And you know, I'm sorry, I, I normally wouldn't be trying to correct you, but you know, I'm very concerned about this isn't the flood relief scheme. This will finish up being the flooding scheme for Clonakilty because it has the potential to very, very badly flood the town. And like the Ring Road, it was Monday and Tuesday, it couldn't have been drier, and uh, the Ring Road was flooded. I believe there was a culvert blocked. And in my humble opinion, there's too many points of failure in the system, and it has the potential, if the tides are right, and uh, the rain is right, 
that the water will have nowhere to go on Clannacilty and the town will get absolutely flooded. Uh, and actually, I'm just spotting Met Aaron have just issued a, a yellow rain warning for, for midday tomorrow. So when anything like that happens, you would be fearful. But, 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 but OK, where has it gone wrong? If they've spent 38, 33.8 million... Uh, whereas it went wrong from the very start, but anyway, we won't even go there. But we have now, they've built up walls along the river. Yeah. And so they have created a situation where they have one-way valves on all of the outlets into the river so that the tide is in, the river is full of water. So any water that's on the street has then has to be pumped in to the river. Now, you can often get the situation where that you will have water on the streets. The power has to be turned off in Clannacilty because you have all of the cables are on the ground and they did all that back in the day for the tidy towns. So now you have the situation where they have to go and get four or five big generators that are on standby, bring them down in the absolutely lashing rain, plug them in and put them going. And you know yourself the one day that you'll want your generator to start, unless it's absolutely maintained, started every week there's a chance it won't go. So we have points of failure uh, on these pumping stations. Um, we have, there's no backup for that. We have uh, uh, an embankment built up beyond Duns uh, that is, uh, I, I don't know what the, the full purpose of it is right now, because it is absolutely massive. And we just don't understand how this is going to operate and how are they going to release the water? And it, the whole system, that, that whole thing was supposed to cost 12 million. And we finished up, you were saying, I thought it was 29 million. No, 38, 38, 33.8 was the, right. was the total budget. And with, with well, the that includes failure. whole life maintenance costs. Yeah. Uh, by the way, because yesterday when the minister came down, you know, to mark the end of the of the flood relief scheme, he did say that the OPW remains wholly committed to the ongoing maintenance of the scheme. Do you take comfort from that? Uh, no, because and like I was one of the people who begged and besieged when we were on the town council for the OPW to come to town, and uh, I hold my hand up for that. And but they have designed a scheme here that is going to be ferociously expensive to maintain. And I, my understanding is that the OPW want to sign over this uh, scheme to Cork County Council, and it will be Cork County Council will, will be the one. Will be, yeah. And, and, and how much did you reckon it cost? Uh, the, the original thing that we saw was about £12 million. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but because the 33.8 includes this whole life maintenance cost, so they're accepting that there's going to be a lot of uh, maintenance. But, okay. like, the, the whole life maintenance cost... Did you go down yesterday, Tim? Were you around town for... Um, no, I was no. Uh, trying to do a bit of work, and do you know what? It wouldn't do me any good to meet them because I would get very cross with them because they've, they've, inflicted, they've inflicted a solution here. There was a desktop study on the people at Clannacilty that has the potential... And they'll say, oh, yeah, I've been very negative on all this. But this has the potential to absolutely turn Clannacilty into a swimming pool because if the water cannot get out, it rises very rapidly during heavy rainfall in Clannacilty. And there's a lot of low-lying houses. And they'll say, oh, I've been an alarmist. I've seen all this happen. So do you know what? I can be an alarmist because I've seen it happening and I'm sick of it. And this, uh, I hope I'm wrong. 
and they'll be the first to hold up my hand. Okay, and, 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 and listen, there's a lot of people in Clonakilty. Hope you're wrong as well. But listen, in the meantime, Humphrey, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Sloan, and thank uh, you very thanks much. Uh, for joining us. That is uh, former Clonakilty Town Councillor uh, Humphrey Deegan. Not that happy with that flood relief work. And as I said, there was uh, the, yesterday the minister was down for because it was uh, uh, finished uh, with. 1850 Just some of your thoughts uh, coming in, particularly on the barbershop one. Now, I'll have to do this afterwards. Um, Dennis says, Patricia, Google uh, somebody called Elaine Carroll of Gluig Barbers in Liffey Valley in Dublin. She had the exact same issue that your listener has emailed you to and she actually went to the Equality Tribunal and they ruled that the woman concerned was not discriminated against on grounds of gender under the Equal Status Act when the barber refused to cut her hair. So there has been a case taken before because somebody else was saying would you not take uh, take and, uh, take and it to the Equality Tribunal? Well somebody's been there, done it and uh, lost uh, the case and someone else was John in Cove says there should be no women allowed in barbers. Barbers should be for men only. Leave those women who come out of hairdressers like punk rockers. Leave them at the hairdressers and leave the men alone in the barber's shop. Whoa. Strong words indeed from John Incove. 1850 at 333-103. Now speeding on rural roads has been targeted as part of this year's National Slowdown Day which happened yesterday. It was a joint Garda and Road Safety Authority initiative and it operated for 24 hours. 113 people have been killed on Irish roads uh, so far this year and a major campaign was launched this week with Garda checkpoints on the N71 of the viaduct on the Cork to Bandon uh, Road and we sent our reporter Mairead Tuhig along to the event. They don't want to meet us if something goes wrong at the side of the road and the work that we have to do just to get them out of the car and as you can see the amount of vehicles here today and the amount of resources that are required to deal with one incident and the, the trauma and the, the, um, the damage that it just causes and the trauma that it causes which is long lasting. And I mean, we, we, the speed limits are there. They're not a sign to be achieved. They're there to be obeyed. That was John Ryan, Chief Fire Officer with Cork City Fire Brigade. National Slowdown Day ended at 7am this morning. A number of excessive speed detections were made in Cork over the 24 hours that the road safety campaign ran for. Station Officer Liam Jones is urging motorists to take care. Some of the recent road traffic collisions that we've attended have all been, uh, or the ones that I have personally attended, have been cars that had to drive up onto the ditch to uh, avoid a wide vehicle coming towards them. So it is all about slowing down and driving at a speed that is appropriate that you can stop safely. Acting Third Officer Peter Collin has this advice for road users. Make sure that your car is winter ready and lots of leaves coming down onto the road surface as well and there's a lot of surface water on the roads which could lead to aquaplaning and that, you know. So absolutely check your distances, make sure the tyres are um, road safe and that and, you know, just be prepared for the winter ahead. As we wind down for the long weekend, Superintendent Tom Murphy from the Garda National Roads Policing Bureau is asking drivers to plan their journeys. The bank holiday weekend, uh, you know, maybe more people are being adventurous coming out for, for, for you know, with COVID relaxing and that and just people maybe stepping out for the first time to go down the country. Just plan your journey, you know, uh, you know, if you're late, don't be rushing to it, you'll get there. And that, but it's better to, to arrive alive than not 
Hospital. Professor Connor DC is a consultant in emergency medicine at CUH and clinical lead for the Southern Trauma Network. Those people who get brought into our resuscitation room in the emergency department, they have sustained life-threatening and life-changing injuries, be it a strike to the head that leaves them with a brain injury, be it a cervical spine injury that leaves them paralysed, be it a limb injury that requires orthopaedic surgery to get them their limb back moving again and back functional again or thoracic or abdominal injuries. Many of these injuries people have to live the rest of their lives with. If you're the driver of that car that hits that pedestrian because you haven't seen that pedestrian and you haven't had time to brake, you live with the the guilt associated with having caused injury to somebody else, which is often more difficult than the difficulty and the burden of sustaining those injuries yourself. The overall objective of Slow Down Day is to reduce the number of speed-related collisions, save lives and reduce injuries on our roads. International research has estimated that 30% of fatal collisions are the result of speeding or inappropriate speed. Sam Wade is CEO of the Road Safety Authority. I want everyone to enjoy the weekend, the the October bank holiday, um, but do it in a safe manner and consider other road users, pedestrians and other road users. Um, The data suggests in terms of pedestrians, 9 out of 10 pedestrians will die after being struck by a car travelling at 60 kilometres per hour. That's how fatal it can be. So I would ask uh, everyone, everyone to take care and slow down, not just today, tomorrow, at the weekend, but go. Uh, thanks. That's uh, Marage Tuweek, our news reporter, bringing that report from yesterday's National Slowdown Day. And please, for the weekend that is in it, it's always a treacherous weekend, the October Bank Holiday weekend. Please, we want everybody uh, to go out, enjoy themselves. If you are travelling, be safe on the roads, uh, please. And actually, part of National Slowdown Day, and Garda Chicona have revealed some of the excessive speeds that were detected in Cork yesterday as part of the 24-hour blitz. They recorded one one. 120 kilometres in a 100 kilometre zone that was on the N20 Kilmona uh, in outside Grenada. 91 kilometres in an 80 kilometre zone on the Ballyvergan East in Yall. 113 in a 100 kilometre zone on the Ballyadam Carrick Tuhill Road. And 112 in a 100 kilometre zone on the N22 Farron outside of Ovens. And there was 89 kilometres clocked in an 80 kilometre zone uh, in, at Ar- more in uh, Charleville. Please slow down and stay safe. Okay, just finally some of your texts coming in. Somebody says a regional lockdown should be called for Canturk to try to make sense of the situation. Yeah, Canturk, Mallow, Skibbereen and Bantry were the four areas in Cork that have some of the highest figures and above higher than the national average and a lot of people trying to make sense trying to understand why they're so high in some areas but then when you look to Waterford that has the highest rate of vaccination like they're at 99 point something percent of vaccination and they've had a huge spike in figures even though a lot of that was explained by parties confirmation communion parties I read uh, last week and they're still really high in the Waterford uh, area 
Will we get to the stage of regional lockdowns? I don't know. They, they did them at one stage, didn't they, early on in the pandemic? No talk of them doing them at the moment, but somebody's suggesting maybe that's what we need to do. Someone else is not happy about the pubs going back to normal opening hours from tonight. I think all of the pubs should remain at the closing time of half past 11. The ones in the city have been allowed to open to half past uh, two with the high COVID cases at the moment. I think that's a bad, bad idea. And someone else said, it seems to me that with this continued COVID outbreak, this that will go on for a long time as opening up is only going to escalate the cases. So this current wave is going to be with us for quite some time. It may sound draconian, but as in the case those people who may remember when TB was in this country in the past they had designated hospitals for the treatment they had uh, what was called TB hospitals some people may remember those surely COVID is a similar situation and it would be and what's happening at the moment now it's stopping so many other health procedures from taking place in hospitals all over the country that's from uh, Anthony I'm assuming there will be a generation who would have lived through uh, TB do you remember that there was TB hospitals where only people with TB went and then the normal hospitals kept doing all of the other procedures are we at a stage with COVID that maybe we should start looking at that? And Marie says, Patricia, could you tell me, please, will there be house-to-house trick-or-treating this year? God, Marie, I hope there will. I have the sweets already in. Uh, it came up at the, at the government briefing on Tuesday. One of the journalists there actually asked the question. We played it out actually during the week. Asked the question, what about trick-or-treating for the kids? And Micheál Martin took that question and said, yes, children have to be allowed to be children. They were saying for parents to be careful and all of that. But yes, they did say that trick-or-treating could go ahead. Again, it's going to be up to individual parents whether they want to bring the smallies around uh, or not. But I certainly would have the sweets in and ready for the little ones when they call. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Suggestions of movies to watch across this bank holiday weekend. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, how are you? And you're welcome. I'm very well, thank you. Okay, now you watched two movies. One is Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and the other was Space Jam, A New Legacy. Here is a trailer from Venom. Eddie Brock, how come every time bad things happen, you seem to be at the centre of it? Maybe I'm lucky. Eddie, I've been thinking about you because you and I are the same. Where are you going with this? I'd like you to meet The chocolate delivery hasn't arrived yet. No, I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen. No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing. We're looking at what, aliens here? Yeah, um, it's an alien within the body of uh, Tom Hardy. I mean, um, I presume you haven't seen the first film. No. um, And I wouldn't recommend you to see it. I don't think think you particularly like it uh, very much indeed. But, you know, the thing about these films is that, uh, you know, the good thing about them and the positive point thing about them is that that there is a lot of comedy here. And so they're actually not extraordinarily violent. Uh, That was the thing that kind of surprised me about the first film. It was um, almost as if the, you know, film company, the studio, decided that we want a PG-13 in America uh, for this. And so because of that, then they reduced a lot of the uh, you know level of violence uh, in the film, which kind of disappointed a lot of the fans, who, of course, were desperate to see Venom on screen for a very, very long time. And I, I presume you have the poster in front of you. It'll show you what Venom looks like. Yeah. And yeah. 
he does look extraordinary. I mean, it is beautifully crafted. You know, this this extraordinary long turn tongued kind of creature with incredibly kind of sharp, big teeth that likes to eat people. It likes to eat brains, and it's constantly in battle with Tom Hardy um, as it lives within. Tom Hardy's body because it uses Tom Hardy's Hardy, uh, Tom Hardy's body as a host, and he's constantly saying, like you heard there. That's by the way, you heard three voices there. Two of the voices, one was within Tom Hardy's brain and head uh, because Venom is within him. You heard Tom Hardy's voice and also the voice of a the shopkeeper there. So whilst Tom Hardy is acting in this film, you don't really see Venom that much. Uh, you don't see him constantly, but you hear him within Tom Hardy's uh, head. So Tom Hardy is having these kind of constant arguments with this creature within him who's desperate to kill people, who's desperate to, uh, to eat brains. And um, in recompense, uh, Tom Hardy is constantly trying to feed him chickens, and of course that's not enough for him. If you do look at the uh, trailer of this uh, first film, or if you at least if you look at the, the poster, you'll see that Carnage is actually spelled with a capital C. And the reason is is that um, uh, Carnage is actually a creature. It's yet another creature very similar to Venom, because what happens is Woody Harrelson is on death row, and he wants to tell his story to Tom Hardy, who is a journalist. And once he's there, Tom Hardy has Venom within him, and, Tom, and uh, Woody Harrelson bites him. And therefore, some of uh, Venom gets into Tom, uh, into Woody Harrelson's body. He then becomes Carnage. Uh, and this is something that a lot of the fans for years have wanted to see. They wanted to see this big, big battle uh, between Venom and, and Carnage. The strange thing about the film, there's a number of strange things about it, is that the first film set up this relationship between Tom Hardy and Venom. And um, it became kind of like, a, almost like a, a kind of an Oscar and Felix kind of uh, odd couple kind of, uh, you know, um, um, kind of relationship. relationship, yeah, yeah, because you know Venom is just wild and crazy and starts tearing the place apart. He's desperate to eat all the time, so there was a lot of comedy there. This film spends about half the film reintroducing us to that relationship. We've already seen that in the first film. And that was kind of the disappointing thing for me. I was like, okay, get on with it. We know about this relationship. We know that it's a difficult relationship. We know, uh, you know, that the characters already move on. But it, t- it takes a long time. And there's a lot of comedy here, which will be a positive to a lot of people, I think. I watched this with my 20-year-old. She was having a great time. She loved these characters. She's seen them uh, on screen. And she was really enjoying the kind of repartee between Tom Hardy and Venom. She was loving that. She she said to me at one stage, I love these characters. They're great fun. And, and it's really, really entertaining. When Carnage does arrive, what it kind of reminded me of, one of the things that kind of disappointed me about, say, the first Iron Man film, even though it's the best of them, is the fact that uh, it was almost like the writers kind of ran out of ideas and decided, look, we just have two Iron Man kind of creatures kind of battle against each other. They did the same with the Hulk movies, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, they ended up just having Hulk versus Hulk, which is boring. Yeah. And I felt that when I was watching this. I was like, well, this is not really what I've come to watch, uh, just to have two kind of creatures kind of battle into each other. Uh, the um, It has to be said that the, 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 the CGI is very, very well done. And the level of comedy kind of did surprise me. And the film is only an hour and 25 minutes long. And when it was over, for me, of course, I was delighted. Um, the 20-year-old went, well, hang on a second. She's so used to watching two-hour movies. She was like, well, something weird here. And she did notice through the film that there were a number of very, very strange and weird cuts and fades, which kind of seemed to appear out of nowhere. And she said, did they cut an awful lot out of this film? I get the impression they did. And I get the impression that one of the reasons they did it is because they were looking for that uh, PG-13 um, rating in the United States. And, and so it's, it's not incredibly violent at all. And it's a 15 cert here, which I think is about right, by the way. Let me make that quite clear. Yeah, this, this isn't for, for children. Yeah, yeah. 
certainly not, not in any way, shape, or form, no. But And you know me, I'm very sensitive to violence. But for me, for these films to work, if you have a character like Venom, who looks the way he does, and wants to eat brains, and wants to eat people, for me, these films should have been way, way, way more violent than they actually are. And I'm surprised, and I, and I presume it was, it was pressure from the studios to get that PG-13. Andy Serkis is the director here. He does a very good job. Andy Serkis has uh, been working movies for years. He does a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of uh, those movies. He played Gollum, for example, in Lord of the Rings, and he played uh, some of the apes in Planet of the Apes. And he's, he does a very, very good job here. It's funny, yes, there's a lot of comedy, but just the violence never kind of overstands the mark for me, where I actually think it should have. These films should have been much more violent, and I think you know, the fans were kind of disappointed at the level of violence in it. But having said that, I'd say 15 Third is about right. It's uh, 95 minutes long, it's short, and uh, and... The, the, the teenager, well, she's not a teenager anymore. The daughter really liked it, and she loved it. I thought it was okay. It was very similar to the first one, but if you love the first one, you love this. Um, if, like me, you went, mm, it's okay. Uh, that's how I felt about it. Okay. I thought it was okay. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it 7. 7 out of 10, okay. All right, and then this, that's uh, Venom. It's called Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And then Space Jam, A New Legacy. Is this something to do with Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny? That's exactly what it is. Um, uh, it's a remake. Uh, I don't. Uh, Michael Jordan was in uh, the original. I think from 1990. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, My vague recollections of that. Yeah. I didn't see it when I came out, but obviously I saw it with my daughter about, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was okay. It was one of those movies that was just okay. But at the time, I think, because it was one of the first times we'd seen kind of, um, you know, uh, computer-generated um, uh, characters with real people. I mean, it was, it was the first time we'd kind of seen that, and it was kind of exciting and interesting to see it. And they've done it here as well. And I thought it was okay. If you're a Looney Tunes fan, if you're a Warner Brothers fan, and you've, of course, grown up with Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny, like you mm. and I probably have, um, you would get a kick out of this film. And I did. And I was very, very excited to see all these characters on screen again. Uh, Mel Blanc, who did the voiceovers, uh, did all the voices uh, in the past, of course, he's no longer with us. Um, but a, a man by the name of Jeff Bergman has taken over uh, the legacy of the voices, and he does a brilliant job. And he really does sound like Bugs Bunny. He really does sound like uh, Daffy Duck. And he does a fantastic job here. The level of the uh, CGI is extraordinary. The only problem with it is, is that it's really dull. There's stuff being thrown at you all the time. There's a basketball match in it which is interminable and seems to go on forever. And the other strange thing about it is that basically this is one big advert for Warner Brothers. So Warner Brothers have looked at their IP and said, OK, let's just basically um, publicize everything we have done in the past. And so there's constant references to a lot of their movies, like there's references to The Matrix, there's references to Harry Potter, for example. Then there's very odd references to films from way back. There's a reference to Casablanca, for example, which kids <laughs> won't get. There's even, there's even a piece of Casablanca in it. There's references to, um, to, to many other, their other films. Now, there was a lot of controversy about it. They decided that Pepe Le Pew, mm. you remember Pepe? Pepe Le Pew, yes. The, Pepe, the skunk. Um, the skunk yeah. who chased after this uh, black cat who unfortunately had a white stripe at some point. Yeah. They decided, well, with the Me Too movement, he is unacceptable. <sighs> but the odd, really <laughs> weird thing is that, it, is that there are lots of references to, to Pennywise from, from It. Pennywise oh, yeah. killed children. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see Pennywise. You'll see Voldemort, who, of course, tried to kill Harry Potter. Um, you'll see ref- other references to other movies, which are incredibly violent and nasty and not appropriate at all for kids' movies. So it's very, very odd and very, very strange. As, of course, a film fan and a cinema fan, I love that about it. 
But you do wonder, kids won't get it at all. But I wonder, did they, when they decided to make the movie, okay, we're going to really attract as many adults as we can with these kind of references, which were probably funny, you know, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But the kids will, of course, love uh, all of the characters. I loved watching, you know, um, Daffy Duck, and especially Bugs. I was always a great fan of Bugs Bunny because he just didn't care. That's what I loved about Bugs. Yeah. He was always, he always had attitude, and he has it here. The animation is terrific. Uh, I think kids will like it more than adults. Uh, but, uh, but, 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 but for adults, I can see, you know, the, today's children would, would absolutely love it. anything with a cartoon they, they'll enjoy. But adults, it'll help us to reminisce about our childhood, obviously. Uh, well, this is it. And yeah. this is it. And these are all characters that so I grew so up it's with. A win, win, it's a win-win as a family movie. Unfortunately, it's just a bit dull. Oh, isn't it? Pity, pity. Yeah. Okay, mark it out of ten. I gave it five. Five out of ten. But as you say, the smallies in the house definitely will like it. They will. Space Jam, a new uh, legacy. Okay, we'll wrap it there. Thanks for that, Mark. Have a good week and we'll talk to you next Friday. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is Mark Malone, our movie uh, reviewer. Just before we go, somebody wants to have a bit of a rant. Said, why are clinics, this is at a hospital, going ahead with a room full of patients? I'm waiting over an hour to be seen. We're all sitting in the one area. And I'm also noting that when the seats become available, they are not sanitised between use for the next patient. Also, the ticket machine to exit the car park is on the inside of the hospital door, which means more people have to come in to the hospital, not making any sense at all. And somebody else says, when you're talking about roads, get the farmers in the forestry to cut hedges on rural roads to protect our cars please and the hedge cutting season is underway by the way if people want to trim back overhanging hedges now is the time to do it okay that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're heading into a bank holiday weekend enjoy yourself please stay safe that's what it's all about uh, until um, Tuesday I'm Patricia Messenger very good morning Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.